of the Scriptures. And turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to talk about a subject. Yeah, feel free to stare at the picture there for a little bit. <laughs> you, you did watch that last night? Okay. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, Father, even now we ask that your Holy Spirit will move among us today. Open our eyes, cause us to focus, open our hearts, Lord, to receive the truth. And help us to honor you in the process. Help us to be eager, Lord, to learn your word and to do it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to talk about submission. Now that I have your attention, <laughs> we're going to say that submission is the act or instance of submitting or yielding control. It is something we all struggle with. From our youth, if you had siblings, you know what I'm talking about. They want to tell us, older ones want to tell us, younger ones, what we should do and how we should do it. And of course, in unison, we all responded, you aren't my mom. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. Submission does not come natural, my friends, but I'll tell you this, it is absolutely essential. It is what we are called to do in this world. I remember hearing the story of a captain of a ship who looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance and immediately he told his signalman, send a message, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. Promptly though, a return message was received, alter your course 10 degrees north. And you know what's going on there? You know exactly what's happening here. Bubble in front of the bottom. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. You see, the captain was angered and his command had been ignored. So he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon, another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I'm a seaman, third class Jones. Immediately, the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear would evoke a response that he was looking for. And he said, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. And the reply came, alter your course 10 degrees north. I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> Man, we don't like to submit control, do we? We don't like people telling us what to do. But you know that the Word of God calls us to do just that? It is the concept of a servant to look out for the needs of someone else other than ourselves. You know, selfishness, the very root of sin. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, I'm sorry, Peter. Peter is giving some instructions to a people that are under the church under a particular set of circumstances where they don't want to hear this message. 
You see, they are living under the tyranny of Rome. And Rome can be brutal, harsh, do it or you die kind of attitude. And you know what Peter's going to tell them to do? Do what they tell you. Imagine that. Take a look with me. We're going to jump in in verse 11. Verse 11 of chapter 2 in 1 Peter. Paul say, or Peter says, <laughs> Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. He reminds them that they are strangers in this world. This world is not our home. We are on our way home, but we are not there. And then he tells them that they are soldiers. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain. That means to hold yourself back from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. You want to know what's going on in your life right now? There is a battle. Even now, decisions being made about what you're going to do with what's right in front of you. Waging war. And he says we're strangers, we're soldiers, and we're samples. <laughs> he says keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. And glorify God on the day of visitation. We live as signs to the world. And we proclaim something about our God to them. What is your life shouting to the world by your decisions and your demeanor and the words that erupt from your mouth? They all say something about God. And Peter's saying, you live honorably. And that way when people say, oh, you're one of those Christians, eh? <laughs> and they start coming after you. But if they look at their, your life, they say, hey, there's nothing here. These are good people. These are godly people. That's the idea. As we are salt and we are light in this world. And we must live honorably. So instruction number one is live honorably in this world, regardless of how difficult it is that you face, the difficulties you face. And then he says here in verses 13 to 17, now feel free to buckle up for this one, my friends, because you might want to swallow a few times as you read this. You see, Peter tells them to submit to civil authorities. Oh, I know. Look, there it is in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor, who, you know, the one that wants you dead, or to the governor, sent by him to punish those who do evil. And so we see here in verse 13, we do it. We do it for the Lord's sake. We don't obey for their sake. We don't submit our lives because we think someone is greater than us. We do so because the Lord is greater than us. And we love him and we want to honor him in this world. So we are subject to, for, to the Lord 
And we do this for the Lord's sake. Be subject. And why? We do it because of God's purposes. You see, these rulers, so to speak, the emperor and the governors, are sent by him to punish those who do evil. You may have different ideas about people in political positions, governors or mayors or anyone along the line, the police cruising through, the, but you know why they exist? To withhold sin, to push it back, to put a cover on it. No one there to say stop, no one there to say no more. It gets worse and worse in this world. It is one of God's strategies. You know what the other strategy is? You. It's you. And the way that you live your life. And the way that you show others that there is a different way. And so we do it for the Lord's sake. We do it for God's purpose, which is twofold. As sent to him to punish those who do evil, but on the other side of the coin, my friends, to praise those who do good. To recognize what is good in this world. So we do it for the Lord's sake. We do it because of God's purposes. And we do it because we are serving God. Verse 16. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover up for evil. But living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Submit. That's the instruction here. To those who have authority over you. We could have a conversation about those people in your life that have authority over you as a student, a teacher, in the workplace, an employer. And the word of God says, submit. It says to submit. Now, Peter believed that there was a proper place for civil disobedience. There absolutely was. But it is a very, very narrow path, my friends. You see, in Acts chapter 4, on the, we read in verses 5 to 6, you're welcome to turn there if you'd like. But there was a particular circumstance at the beginning of the birth of the church and we read about this in uh, Acts chapter 4. And the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes, they gathered together in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly family, all the people in charge. And you'll notice here in verse 15, they conferred with one another. Saying, what shall we do with these men? It's talking about the church. For that a notable sign had been performed among them. It is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that, we may, that they may spread it no further among the people. Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. That's Jesus. So they called them and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. 
for we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. Daniel. Daniel had a very similar experience. Yeah, we submit to government till the point they tell us not to do what God has called us to do. Very, very, very thin line. Da Daniel lived the same way. He excelled in a leadership position and others were jealous of him. And they knew that they could find no wrong in how he served the king. They were looking for some way to submarine this guy. But they couldn't find anything in that regard. So they came up with a plan to trip him up in how he served God. You see, they knew Daniel to be a man of faithfulness. And he was a man of prayer. And they said, that's our opportunity right there. So they went to the king. They talked to King Darius into making a law that outlaws, or outlaws prayer to any god save the king himself with a penalty of being cast into a lion's den. So Daniel, of course, continued to pray to the Lord anyway. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. And if you don't, my friends, look it up. I will obey the king. I will, you know, if I build a house, I'll follow the laws. If I drive my car, I'll follow the laws. But if the government comes in here and says, oh, no, no more prayer, we must obey God rather than men. But know this, that God is using these men day after day and these women that God has placed in positions of authority. Don't think anything different for a second. And so instruction, my friends, we need to be people who know how to submit. We submit to civil authorities. Here in verse 18, submit to your employers. I know some of you are like, I used to have one of those. But don't miss the principle here, my friends. And you submit to them regardless of how they treat you. Regardless... They are cruel, they are unfair, it's not fair, and they're not fair, and they're servants, he says in verse 18. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only the good and the gentle, but also the unjust. And he tells us why. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Boy, that's the kind of verse you underline in your Bible. It is a gracious thing that when we are thinking about God, we are able to endure difficult days even while we suffer unjustly, regardless how they treat you. For what credit is it, Peter writes, when you sin and are beaten for it and you endure? <laughs> well, you deserved it. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure this, is a gracious thing in the sight of God. God takes note that we endure injustice with the right attitude, an attitude of honor. That's some heavy stuff right there, isn't it? But this, my friends, is the word of God. Reason number two why we do this, and that is to be more like Jesus. 
I wonder if that little description rung a bell, because it surely did for Peter. He says in verse 21, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, unjustly I might add. He didn't deserve any of that. Anybody here deserve that? Yeah. What he endured is what you and I deserve and much worse. You see, Jesus is our example in this life. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Think about it. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And oh man, do we like to revile back, don't we? When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Peter says you ought to be like this. You know why? Because that's what Jesus is like. At any point, you read through the Gospels and you read how Jesus is slowly moving to the cross. Don't think for a moment that Jesus couldn't stop it all. Cause those people to cease to exist with the vile things they said about him. But he didn't. He endured. And he endured for you and me. So he himself, verse 24, bore our sins in his body on the tree. You say, the tree? I thought it was a cross. Hey, what was the cross made of? Tree. <laughs> and he did that, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So we need to be more like Jesus, who is in our example in this life, who is our substitute in his death, and who is our shepherd in heaven. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And now Peter gets a little more personal. Buckle up for this one, friends. Wives, submit to your husbands. There it is. Likewise, verse 1 of chapter 3. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now, Peter is writing to a congregation where wives may be married to unbelievers. And here Peter gives them a strategy to win them to Christ. And it isn't 17 things you need to tell your lost husband. It's not what he says here. What he says is, I want you to speak through your actions. The power of submission. Subject to your husbands. The power of godly living. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct 
of their wives and the power of respect. And when they see your respectful and pure conduct, yeah. He says to speak through your actions. Then he says here in verse 3, to cultivate your beauty. I know what you're thinking. Let's take a look together here. Cultivate your beauty. In other words, minimize the externals. He says, do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Peter says, maximize the internals. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. I tell you this right now, there is nothing more attractive to a man than a quiet and gentle spirit. Remember that commercial? You want someone's attention? Whisper. What? What did they say? (laughs) I tell you, that was what shook my world with Melanie. It was what made her different than everyone else I knew. A quiet and gentle spirit. Maximize the internals. And then he says here at verse uh, 5 and 6, he says, follow some godly examples. He says, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. (laughs) Remember studying that with Melanie. Okay, Lord. (laughs) Friends, this is a contextual use of this term. The point is not the word, but the honor in which it is spoken. It is respectful. It is kind It is gentle, and it smacks of love. So Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him the Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And I guess he has a couple of things here to say to the husbands, but we're out of time this morning. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Notice here in verse 7, you know what he says to husbands to their, about their wives? He says, husbands, understand your wife. Understand your wife. Imagine that. Look at what he says here. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Men, know your wives Early on in my ministry, I did a lot of marital counseling. And one of the exercises that I would do is I would hand each of the husband and wife a piece of paper. And I would ask them to write down three things that your spouse thoroughly enjoys. Three uh, activities, three things that just really cause them to settle to be well. I have yet to counsel a couple where the husband gets it right. The wife almost perfectly gets it right. 
but not the husband. You wonder why Peter wrote that down? Because guys were not paying attention. Understand your wife. Get a PhD in her fears and her joys and her dreams. Live with your wives in an understanding way. And notice this. He says, show her honor. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Concept of a vessel. Men and women are both vessels. Men, more like iron skillets. Women, like fine china. This is not about, oh, women are so frail. (laughs) Some of them are. This is about honor. This is about showing respect and kindness. Considering the other person first. Now, Peter doesn't say that in this text, but Paul does. He says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did he do that? He gave up his life for it. That's a big, heavy call right there. You take your life and you spend it investing it in your wife. Investing. One deposit after another. Kind words, encouragement. And you show her honor. And then Peter adds this little phrase here. And he says, you better do it. Look at the end of verse uh, 7 here. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Apparently, the Word of God tells us here that the Lord takes this so serious, this instruction. That if you are not living in a way that honors your wife, and you're not loving and caring for her in an understanding way, you're shutting down your own prayer life. That is some heavy stuff right there, friends. Take it to heart. You see, the husband must be the thermostat in the marriage. Setting the emotional and spiritual temperature. But know this, the wife is often the thermometer. She'll tell you how it's going. Just take a look and listen. Honor. That's the key word here, friends. We submit ourselves to others as servants, just as Jesus did, just as the Lord did for us. And note this, my friends. Every relationship is an opportunity for others to see Christ in you. Always the big question. Put the mirror up in front of you. How much of Christ do you see in you? How much do others see? Practice saying no to yourself that you might say yes to someone else. 
It is the role of a Christian to live this life with our eyes not on ourselves, but on others. How to be a blessing to someone else. Practice it. Practice saying no. Let another car go in front of you. Was that extra two and a half minutes going to save your life? Say no to me that I might say yes to you. And pray that God would give you a heart of submission. A heart of love. It says that sees every opportunity as an opportunity for someone else and not yourself. Start at home. Start at home. Father in heaven, some big stuff here to see it from your perspective why all of these things exist, that we might learn to say no to ourselves, that we might learn to submit. Ultimately, that we would submit to you. Father, help us. Certainly your spirit has been poking at our hearts here today, showing us areas of our life where things have got to change. Give us the courage and the strength to act on these things for your glory, for the good of those around us, and for the good of your church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.